Welcome back to the Craft and Career podcast series, featuring conversations with professional creatives from the arts, entertainment, and media industries. Here, we explore various approaches to craft and career, and even consider how those two can sometimes work together. I'm Derek Webster, Senior Associate Director for Creative Careers at Yale's Office of Career Strategy, and I'm excited to introduce our second guest for the new podcast season, literary manager John Beach. John is a 20-year veteran of the entertainment industry, getting his start with agencies such as Paradigm and Acme Talent Literary, before moving on to producing with Fortress Features and IndyCar. In 2015, John went deeper into client representation, founding his current management production company, Gravity Squared Entertainment, where his client content list includes over 170 books, treatments, and scripts, including Pulitzer Prize winners and New York Times bestsellers. John, it has been so great to get the chance to catch up with you and to have you on the Craft and Career Podcast. Great to be here. Great to see you. I know. That that, that in itself has been 20 years. Has it? 20 years? Yeah, in person, I think. It's been, it's, it's been a while. I can't, you know, maybe 15, something along those 15, lines. 15, so, I would say, yeah. 15, so, so yeah. you know, as we do so, full disclosure, like John and I worked together at Acme Talent Literary many years ago. We were both brought up by the cowboy himself, Mickey Freiberg, God rest his soul. And, you know, I, I couldn't have imagined a better person to introduce me to this crazy, crazy industry that you are still a part of. So, you know, John, you know, a a producer, manager, working with so many clients, having so many interesting projects afoot. This is the Craft and Career podcast. Right. So it's an interesting, you know, match in terms of we're often bringing in, you know, artists and, 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 and that sort of thing. But really, I, what I wanted to get into with you is this interesting kind of, you know, side layer, which exists within the community, right? Managers and agents and the fact that you're working so closely and often collaboratively with clients who are writing things and producing things and directing things and, and whatnot. So we almost always start with this question of what do you think of when we say craft and career, like let's start on the career side. When, if someone's going to ask you, what's, John, what's your career? What do you answer? Uh, well, my answer for myself is I, I manage writers and directors for film and television and about 170 books, film and TV rights for about 170 books as well. That's my answer. But when I, when I think about career, when I think about the word career, I immediately think about my clients and kind of managing their career, shaping their career and kind of finding out what they want to do in the business and helping guide them along that way. So when I when I hear the word career, I rarely look at myself because I, I still think I'm a failure. I always do. But that's just who I am. You know, but I, I, I always I always look at my clients and say, hey, look, I'm here to manage your career. So that's that's what I think of when I hear career. So, well, that, that's what makes you a manager. <laughs> you're, you're always, always putting the client first. <laughs> right. Right. So, yeah. so, okay. So craft and career. So when we think of craft then, or, and, and that it's a weird word that we're using anyway, right? Everyone uses a slightly different version of it or, or even comes at it from a different angle. But when we're talking about things in terms of the craft of like the, the process of being involved in a creative, pro, you know, something. And again, You've got, you know, you're living in a zone where where there is collaboration, there is creativity happening on your side, but there's also a facilitation of other people's creativity. But when I when I talk about that, of the, the craftiness of what you do, yeah, what does that get you thinking about? Well, when I hear craft, almost like career, uh, when I hear craft, I'm thinking of a writer's tone, a writer's voice, a writer's background and, and, and what makes them write 
what what their passions are. That's when I think about what I think about when they hear craft. I rarely think about anything that's even pointing towards me because I, I'm I'm literally just a I'm the guy behind the guy, as they would say in Jerry <laughs> Maguire. I do get involved in development and the creative side of things as as well. But you know, more of that craft is coming from my my amazing clients. So you know, yes, I'm here to guide them and say, hey, look, this genre is just not selling right now, or you know, things like that. But that's always going to point towards my my clients as well. Um, of so, course, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, they're they're bringing. I mean, that's what they're doing with the lion's share of, of what they're doing. But there, there's still this, you know, there, there's this, there's this collaborative angle on what you're doing as a manager, and and it's touching on their careers, and in some cases, and and sometimes more than than others, right? Like you're you're being involved in kind of the the the, the actual crafting process. What gets you excited about that? And that could be part of like how you're identifying who's going to be your next client. And, and right. some of it could be between you and I and, 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 and our podcast audience. You know, there's the certain days that you get super excited because, you know, you're getting to work with this person, like, like those kinds of things. What, what is, what, what, how do you navigate that, right? Like, like what keeps you coming, you know, back to your, your daily process of working with these creatives? I can remember back a few occasions where like one, when I, when I signed Judy human, you know, I don't know if what your what the podcast people are going to know about Judy human, but Judy human basically started the Americans with disabilities Act. she shaped disability rights. That's who she is. I got emotional when I signed her because yeah. you know, you, you, you work your whole life to work with people like this. And I have a handful of them. I have, I represent two astronauts. I represent, I mean, you know, Homer Hickam, I now represent Homer Hickam, who is a tremendous friend and probably the most loyal person I've ever met in my life. He's just such a good man. And, and that's what excites me about my business, about what I do, is just the, the personalities and, and, and the people and who they are and what they do. They amaze me every day. I mean, to think my, my astronaut client, client, Kathy Sullivan, she was the first woman to walk in space. Then she also deployed the Hubble Space Telescope. And then two years ago, she dove down to Mariana's Trench, down the deep Challenger Deep, which is 36,000 feet down. She's the first woman to ever do that, the seventh person to ever do that. And she's also traveled the most distance between Earth and space. So she has, I mean, she's literally traveled the most distance from where we are now to up. It's, it's amazing. I mean, that I geek out on that every day. <laughs> right. Well, yeah. How, how could you not get enthused, right. you know, have, exactly. having those clients on a, on a daily basis? That's exactly. Fantastic. And, and you know, the, the best part about that story is, is, I mean, Homer recommended me to her because she called Homer. She said, Hey, I got a book now. What, what do I do? And she's like, let me introduce you to my friend, John Beach. Same with my other astronaut uh, that I rep represent. He just flew up in September two years ago. He went on SpaceX Installation 4 and they, they orbited the Earth for three days. I just love that you can actually save my other astronaut. <laughs> what, 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 other career path, <laughs> what other career path allows you to like seriously, there you is, know, earnestly say like my other astronaut? <laughs> there's not one. It, that's what's so amazing by it. I mean, who would think that you would represent two astronauts? Because it's nowhere near what I do. I mean, I, I you know, yes, I geek out about space. But I would never be associated with any of those people except for via Homer Hickam. So on the geek outside, right? So you read a lot, you watch a lot, 
you're plugged in so many different directions. I mean, it's, it's part of what you have to do to sort of keep up with, with, with your role in the industry. What are both personally and the things that sort of like get your juices flowing, but also thinking in terms of trends in industry and what you're looking for and, and, and out, you know, what are you imbibing recently that, you know, has kind of charged you up in those ways? I actually just signed one book just recently. I, I took, <laughs> this is bad, but I've now taken two clients from Josie Friedman, Friedman at, uh, at ICM. And, and I'm sorry, Josie, if you're, if you're a listener, but uh, no, I know, I know Josie pretty well, but I just signed this book called Nowhere Girl. And it, it's about a, when she was nine years old or five to nine years old, she was, you know, running from Interpol and, and CIA. Her family was, was a family of con artists. It's just such a great book. It's 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 amazing. And I love strong female leads. That's what pushes me. I love women that are breaking barriers that are, you know, really just thinking out of the box and 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 doing things that we don't see women do every day, like Judy Human, like Kathy Sullivan. You know, that's what I like. I love strong female leads. It's gonna push me every day. And and as far as the trends go. I'm seeing a lot of asks for, and I don't have a lot of, romantic comedies, A. And then B, female-led action movies like John Wick, but with a female lead, or Atomic Blonde. I love Atomic Blonde. So yeah, I've been seeing a lot of a lot of those type of requests lately. Okay. No, that's that, that's very helpful to hear for, for our writers in the audience who are thinking about the content that they can be exploring. Right. So you've touched on it a couple of times with Homer Hickam and, and, and others, and, and you know, and we, you know, both of us sort of coming from the, the Mickey Freiberg school. Community is such an important part of this industry, and you know, you can call it network, you can call it whatever you want it to call it, but really, it's about relationships and like and, and building connections Absolutely. and trust. How important? The easy answer is yes, it's very important. But like, how important is it to you, and and how do you how do you approach it in a way? Like how, how do you make sure that you keep it sort of centered in, in, in those necessary ways for this industry? Your network is your most important asset in this business. If you're not networking, you're not working. I, I'm sorry, but that's just the honest answer. You know, learning those things with Mickey Freiberg and learning those people. Okay, I'm going to backstep. When I started my production company, when I started Gravity Squared, I literally went through, which I still have, Mickey's address book and just started calling people and asking for time. Hey, hey, look, give me five minutes. I used to work for the late great Mickey Freiberg. You love Mickey. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the majority of them gave them that gave me that time. But it's it's those relationships. And I built a lot of these relationships from 04, 03, 04, 02, even. Yeah. And one of those was uh was Matt Riley at Mosaic. Matt's been there forever. He's still there. And I sold him a project in April of 15 for Will Ferrell. It's still in, it's in turnaround right now, but we just got Aquafina attached to it and David Dobkins attached to, to direct it. I mean, it's, it, it's a long process, but that's a relationship that I've had for 20 years. It's a great example. Yeah. That these things, they build over time, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, you never know who the person sitting next to you is and, and, you know, it's best just to treat them uh, as you would want to be treated yourself. It comes back to relationships. It comes back to everything. My job is, it's, it's like a relationship. It's like being married to someone. It's like dating someone. You're always trying to cultivate that relationship and, and, and keep that relationship fresh. And it, it's, it's the most important part of our business. If, if I don't have those relationships, if I don't have that network, I don't work. 
literally. Right. <laughs> I don't have a job. So I know that your first instinct is always, you know, thinking client and thinking of their careers and their craft. But let's go back to the career side and, and talk a little bit more about your, your background, your story, that sort of thing. Can you recall what started this journey for you? When you think about your narrative and where it started and, and what convinced you that you had to be doing this thing, right? Because right. as we both know, you can't, you, you have to be doing this thing. Otherwise you don't stay. Oh, it's an addiction. It's totally an addiction. This business is an addiction. And it, it, at the level I'm at right now, it's, it's not huge money, but it will be, you know, once these projects <laughs> go into production, it will be. And I know that, but it, you know, at this, at this stage, I get by but options don't pay the bills. Commissions don't pay the bills. It's when they go in production, they do. But, and I lost my train of thought. Okay, I'm going to backstep and tell you about how I got here. That was exactly where we were, yep. <laughs> a lot of that is, is thanks to you because I, I'll never forget. And, and you know, the day I interviewed with, with Mickey Freiberg, Mickey said, well, let me go call Andy Patman and see what he says, to you, says about you. And if he says, if it's good, you've got the job. I knew... Andy Patman threw things at me. Literally, we fought <laughs> all the time. We did not get along at all. The guy threw, I mean, it, I'm sorry, Andy, but yes. <laughs> and so, yeah, we, we did not get along at all. So I walked back into the, into the reception area and I was like, oh, I'm not getting that job because, you know, Andy hated me. And fortunately, I don't think you or, or Mickey talked to Andy. I think one of you spoke to HR and, and I got the job. <laughs> so not only did you get me the job that time, but you helped <laughs> me keep my job later. So after, after Acme and I started the Paradigm and then after Acme, I started a production company with some friends. You probably know them, Brett Forbes yep. and Patrick Pizzotti. And then later I moved to North Carolina to make a film and, and a couple other things and, and finally got picked back here. And started working at a company called IndyCar. I don't know if you've heard of IndyCar. Uh, it's an Indianapolis 500. We incorporating the brand into film and television. Mm -hmm. We got laid off in 13. And I, I finally, well, that wasn't the precursor to what, that wasn't the catalyst to what really got me to start Gravity Square. The catalyst was uh, I got cancer in 13. In June of 13, I was diagnosed with cancer. And that was kind of the catalyst of saying, hey, I'm going to do what I want to do. Right. I'm going to do this and, and just jump head first. So that's, that's what the catalyst was. It was really doing that. And then the process of calling all of my network that I had years ago and, and just reacquainting myself with them. So yeah, that's yeah. kind of the backstory. Yeah. So no, that, I mean, and you're you responsible for two parts of that. So thank you. <laughs> I don't, I don't know if responsible. Yeah. You know, I, I, hopefully I played my part and look, that just means look at all, you know, those tiny part I played in, in all the good stuff that you're doing. So that's, that's two that's... tiny parts. Okay. <laughs> if you want to say that. <laughs> so, so we, we're often working with, you know, young talents who are looking to break their way into the industry in any way that they can. And you, you, you kind of gave us the, 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 the background in terms of like the main hits and how you actually got the door open and got yourself in. What about like experiences that tell us a bit more about the scrabbling sort of nature, like the kinds of jobs that you did or, or did part-time and, and, and otherwise, any, any, any kind of stories or narratives in that direction to help us understand you? Yeah, it's, it's, it's going to, you got to cut, you claw your way into this industry and you got to right. be willing to do some, some other interesting things. What does that look like? I didn't. I jumped head first. And, and literally the problem with jumping head first is, is time. I wouldn't have time to do another job. There would be no way to do it. When I say I only represent 24 clients, 
you know, some of those 24 clients like Homer Hickam have 19 books. So right. <laughs> you, you have to think of each one of those books as a client as well, because it's, you know, from client to their content. So there would be no way for I to do that. Now, when I look out at, at writers, at actors or producers or directors, sure, yeah, yeah. yes, you have to do that. I mean, w- we all know that from working in this business, everyone has a second job. Everyone has a, you know, a, a real job that pays the bills. With that being said, I'm a firm believer in jumping head first, dedicating yourself to that. Yes, you do have to have money to pay those bills. But if you're not 100% dedicated to your craft and your career, it's going to be hard to, to, to really succeed. This business is so difficult to break into in the first place. Even if you're doing it full time, it's, it's so difficult, you know, which is why that network, you know, if I didn't yeah. have you in my network, you know, it's those little things that that really help help carry along and keep you focused. Absolutely. That gives us a better sense too of I mean just particularly on the on the representative side like just it, you're you got to be all the way in, right? In a, sure. in a lot of ways. So, could you tell us a little bit more about what the daily engagement looks like for you? Like what, what is an average day or even the strange ones that show up, you know, too often right. <laughs> for good, for bad, for, for, for what does it really feel like to be in your shoes? I think the average day is, is pretty much always the same. Either I'm reading, I'm negotiating a contract, or I'm following up on submissions I've made, or I'm, I'm trying to package a book or a script with some talent. That's literally my day some of that, like negotiating a contract and, and, and really getting into that and, and talking those terms with the author or with the buyer, sometimes that takes a whole day. So the contract part is mundane. It's, it's, it's always the same thing. You know, you know this, you read these contracts. We've read hundreds, maybe even more than that. And it's just, it just becomes second nature where you don't even think about it. And I don't think about it. I'm negotiating one right now with Sony Pictures Television, which I just sold another one to Sony Pictures Television two months ago. So two in the past three months with Sony Pictures Television. But that's the daily. Literally, it's negotiating contracts. If I'm done with my follow-ups, I'm, I don't have any contracts to negotiate, I'm probably reading. Yeah. And how do you make sure to leave the room for the kind of, you know, again, networking with the big end version of like having to go to events and, you know, have the lunches and, and, and drinks and those sorts of things. Like how, how do you carve out that time? I usually do like coffees or lunches only on two days a week, Tuesdays and Thursdays. Okay. So I, I try to, to dedicate days for that because it's just, it gets so busy at times. So I only do it on those days, but there are the night events that you'll do. Like I'm on I'm on like three tracking boards. And for those that don't know, tracking boards are just a group of executives or assistants or producers, agents, managers, whatever, that communicate and talk about uh, trends, talk about who's looking for what, talk about who's hiring, blah, blah, blah. And they have get togethers quite often. So next week I have like three night events to to attend, but I don't have a personal life really. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> is that is that one of the costs one of that's the costs. one of the costs i'm a very 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 lonely person Derek. oh <laughs> uh, so that maybe that's a defining aspect of this particular probably, industry though. probably i i mean maybe maybe at my level you know someone at the mickey freiberg level or something like that probably has, has would have more of a personal life or maybe not i don't know maybe not <laughs> 
<laughs> so we'll come back around. This is just the first part of our conversation. We'll come back around and we'll we'll get to talk a little bit more about. I'm probably going to get some. You kind of peck you with some advice, kind of oriented questions, and and hear a little bit more specifically about you know the, you know the kind of tracks to lay like to get into the industry. But wanted to finish this first segment off with just maybe a, a, an anecdote or a thought that you have that might, that you feel is particularly telling about this industry, like a story that kind of wraps it up in some ways. If we need to know something about what it is to be John Beach at Gravity Squared, but more more importantly, part of this industry at large, like what, yeah, what, what's what's the story that tells us that you're going to be waiting for seven to ten years? <laughs> I, that's really it's I it's insane. Okay, I'm I'm just going to go back to the Will Ferrell project. So I sold this project to Will and Legendary Pictures in April of. 15, literally four months after starting my production company, I sold this. And it's it's insane to me that it would take this long to to get something like that greenlit with with Will Ferrell. Right. right. It, you know, but the process, it, it's insane. I, I'll just tell you the process a little bit. So negotiating my producer deal with Legendary took eight months to negotiate that deal. Eight months. <laughs> <laughs> so then after that gets negotiated, then we have to find writers. I, legendary takes a while. So that took months upon months as well. Then the writers have to work and, and do it. And, and if they're finishing another job, they might have to finish that other job before they can come on to this one. So I think we finally got the script in, in like, it might've been 17. I, I can't remember when it was, but it was 152 pages, Derek. And I, you'll know this, but maybe, maybe your whole audience doesn't. The usual ratio is one-to-one, a page per minute. So if you think about a Will Ferrell comedy, usually about, usually about an hour and a half, it should be 90 pages to 110 pages, 152 pages. This is an (laughs) epic drama, you know, a Will Ferrell epic drama. Uh, Yeah. So it's just, it, it takes forever. All these projects take forever. And, and another example is, is the Judy Hewan project. So we, we got incredibly lucky, A, signing Judy Hewan. B, we got really lucky with a, a, a writer, director named Sean Hader. Sean Hader did CODA. CODA's on Apple right now. And the, her film CODA won everything at Sundance. It was the first yeah. movie, the only movie to ever win all four top awards. And then it won BAFTA, it won Academy Awards, it won everything. But that is the blessing and the curse. We were blessed that that happened. But Sean Hader on Oscar tour, and then Sean Hader having to finish up other obligations that she had. Yeah. So she's just now a year and three months into the option. She's just now starting to write. So it's just everything is just at a snail's pace. The unseen price of success. Absolutely. You have to have 15 or 20 projects in development. You know, it's nature of the beast. So we are going to need patience is what we're going to need. Is that that? (laughs) (laughs) We did. I don't know if you've heard of Clubhouse. We we did Clubhouse for a little while. We're doing a, we still have the room. We do it once a month now, first Wednesday of every month. Uh, it's called plot points. We help writers if they have questions, blah, blah, blah. We talk about certain things. And sometimes we have some special guests. I, I'm rarely on it anymore. I just, it adds more work for me and I just, I can't do it. But we always said the the three P's of plot points, patience, persistence, and 
passion, passion, patience, and persistence. That those are the things you're going to need in this business because you're going to get knocked down. You're going to get told no. You're going to get rejected so many times. You have to be able to pick yourself back up and know that you are able to do this and know that you are a gifted writer or a, a, a great director or have a vision. You, you have to know that and you have to believe in that. Otherwise, it's, it's going to be very hard for you to, to really sustain in this business. Yeah. John, that, that is a perfect, perfect way to sort of cement this first half of our episode. So um, let's close it out there. I'm going to look forward to coming back around with you, asking some more questions to sort of open this, your story up and the, again, the story of the industry. But uh, thank you so much. This has been such a, such a pleasure so far, and I look forward to the second half. My pleasure. Thanks again, John. And thank you, loyal audience members. Please come back next week when we will pick up our conversation with friend of podcast and literary manager, John Beach. Until then, don't be afraid to use the word career, but always stay crafty.